You're listening to the official podcast of the nation. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock and Lubbock. Texas Tech can start packing for Omaha. Got the big man. Country pulls free. And touchdown. Red Raiders with a second to go. In a way. Yo, what is up, Red Raider Nation? This is the nation's official podcast. I am your host, TJ Kern, alongside my guy, as always, Blake Hartsfield. Blake, it seems like a while since we've been in the lab. How you been? I'm doing well, man. Uh, trying to deal with all this crazy weather here in Dallas with this ice and everything, but uh, things are good. Yeah, things are definitely good. And uh, look, I mean, it, the last time we talked, the Red Raiders weren't uh, weren't doing too well on the hardwood, but they came away uh, with a victory in the Big 12 SEC Challenge against LSU on the road, granted against a team that's not, not a very good team, but they got a win. Then they carried that momentum over and got a win against Iowa State and not only did they get a win, it was the largest comeback in Texas Tech basketball history. 23-point lead that Iowa State had in the second half of that game. And the Red Raiders, to give them credit, fought their way back and won in overtime. Yeah, TJ, thrilled to finally get the first uh, Big 12 win this season against Iowa State. Now, look, they, they played an awful first half, and they put themselves in a huge hole. I think they were down 23 with 12 and 12 minutes and 27 seconds or something like that when they started their run. And um, they went on a little 6-0 run, and then Iowa State kind of melted down from there and just completely collapsed. And uh, to Tech's credit, they took advantage of that. The, the press was working to create turnovers and easy buckets, and um, Lamar Washington and, and Jalen Tyson kind of put their, their imprint on the, on the back half of that game with their defensive intensity and turnovers. And, um, they do find a way to get their first big 12 win, which is really encouraging. Um, you've talked a lot about it. Uh, they, they seem to have not quit on coach Adams despite the tough season, which, um, I guess is maybe the biggest ringing endorsement that, that Adams has got going for him right now in terms of, um, getting another year to, to, try to rebuild this program and get older and, and get longer as he's talked about through the transfer portal. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a tough year. Um, obviously no one wants to be sitting here at one and eight in the big 12 in last place. Um, and I believe TJ, if based on Lenardi's most recent update, they're the only big 12 team, not in the big tournament, but um, look at the end of the day that they've got a little bit of momentum. Um, we're about to get into some of the guys that have stepped up here, but if they could find a way to win four or five big 12 games, uh, get an invitation to the NIT, that way you're playing postseason basketball, they can get some momentum built, um, close out the streets, the season on as, on as good a note as possible. Um, and, and then try to work on rebuilding this roster. No doubt about it. And, uh, I definitely need to mention that they did this without Fardaz Amak and Pop Isaacs, who are both out indefinitely. Well, Fardaz, Fardaz hasn't played much all year. Let's be realistic. The the big loss is Isaacs, who's been arguably your best player throughout the course of the season. And um, for them to do that with him hurt uh, is definitely a, a testament to the, the fact that, like I said, that these guys haven't quit on the coach when they could have pretty easily mailed it in at this point. 
Um, and, and look, TJ, um, once they get Isaacs back and, and, and there's talk that he might be ready to go for Baylor, but I doubt it. You're probably going to have him uh, in Stillwater on the eighth, uh, which is, is a realistic time to, to try to look at, at adding him back to this lineup. We've been talking about all season that, that some guys needed to step up and, and this rotation needed to get deeper. Um, and Kerwin Walton, with his ability to shoot the basketball, uh, he, he's definitely out of the slump that he was in in non-conference play, and he's shooting the ball really, really well. I think over his last six or seven Big 12 games, TJ is shooting it like 72% from three, which is just a ridiculous clip, and I don't expect that to continue, but um, he, he's on fire right now. Lamar Washington, uh, while, was in, while he was in the rotation previously, he seems to be growing in, uh, uh, in, in front of our eyes. Same thing with Jalen Tyson. Um, and then you're getting a little bit of contribution from guys like, uh, Elijah Fisher, who's come in and, and provided good defense and energy and, and some much needed rebounding. So they're starting to find some, some additional help. Um, and like I said, maybe that can translate into a couple of more wins here as we, as we play the back half of this conference schedule. I definitely think taking some of this momentum and trying to finish the season strong is, should be the goal. And getting some of these young guys' minutes, whether it's uh, Fisher, Washington, Walton, uh, Demarion Williams, you, I mean, you name it. H however we need to get it done to get some of these guys some confidence. But let's not forget the the second half that KO and, and Davion Harmon played against Iowa State. Those guys, man, I don't know if you saw the postgame press conference. I watch every single one. And you and I have both been pretty critical on DH. But, man, if that guy doesn't want to win, I mean, he, he's sitting there in tears at the uh, postgame press conference. Yeah, I did see that, TJ, and it shows that he cares. Um, like you said, we've been very hard on him, and, and in my opinion, justifiably so. Uh, he's had a very frustrating season, uh, very inconsistent especially for a senior, but he did show up in the second half uh, against Iowa State, particularly the last five or six minutes of the game. It seemed like he was able to kind of get to the uh, basket at will. Um, he was taking advantage of the fact that I think all three guards from Iowa State had four fouls and couldn't really stay in front of him or put a body on him or anything like that. And he was either able to get to the free throw line um, or finish at the rim, which was incredibly encouraging. And I think we do need to recognize the fact that Look, Kevin O'Banner, uh, we've been critical of him as well. This is a fifth-year super senior. Uh, he did hit the 2,000-point career mark at home uh, against Iowa State, so congratulations to him. He's had a, a fantastic college career, both at Oral Roberts uh, and then here at Texas Tech. Yeah, and you know Kevin O'Banner is one of my guys. I mean, I, I, I really expected some big things from him this season. And look, he's had some great games, back-to-back uh, 20-point -back games, as a matter of fact. Uh, hitting the boards hard and, and they might have found something going uh, small with KO at the five there against Iowa State yeah TJ I think that that's pretty clearly the the best lineup that they can put forth is is when they go small they put Kevin O'Banner um, at, at the five they've got either Elijah Fisher or uh, Jalen Tyson playing the four and then round it out with Walton um, Isaacs once he gets back Harmon uh, and some and Lamar Washington get these guards on the floor. Uh, you can ball screen. Uh, you can switch everything more in that case. Look, I, I think coming into conference play, both of us were very excited about the the growth from Daniel Bacho, um, and, and that was encouraging. Then he he got hurt and he got sick. And look, um, talent wise, Daniel Bacho's uh, is a specimen. He's a big guy who moves pretty well. 
Um, and, and you look at that guy and you, it, at times and you think that that could be really be a piece. Unfortunately, some guys, TJ, are just injury prone. And I think that that's kind of the case with Daniel Bacho. We haven't had a full season yet here at Texas Tech where he's been healthy. He just can't seem to get right. And, and unfortunately, some guys are like that. And I think that that's going to be the case for him for his college career. Yeah, I mean, I hope not. But up to this point this season, you're absolutely correct. And I know the fans have been calling for this guy. You and I have been calling for this guy. But Elijah Fisher getting some minutes in the last couple of ball games, victories for the Red Raiders, finally getting out there and showing what he can do on the defensive end. Yeah, he he's very raw offensively, TJ. He he doesn't seem like he has any sort of a jump shot. Any bucket that he gets is either something attacking the rim or it's a putback and it, and it's kind of garbage points and and doing the dirty work, so to speak. Um, but athletically, this kid is is one hundred percent there. Um, we knew when he came out early that he's always been the most athletic guy on the floor in any game he's ever played in. And that's probably why the offensive side of the game is a little bit raw and the skill development isn't there. Um, but he is an athlete. He seems to have put on some weight since he's been on campus, which is to be expected uh, with the strength and conditioning program that the Red Raiders have at the Womble. Um, and, and he's been really, really good the last couple of games against LSU and, and Iowa State. He's been able to contribute defensively. Um, he's tenacious. He seems to have active hands and, and he's an outstanding rebounder for, especially given the size. Uh, so a, a guy that you want to see getting some minutes here. Now he did scrub Texas tech from all of his social media. Um, I believe it was Abby Adams who, who came into our post game and said that he doesn't control that. Um, so who knows if, if he's going to be back next year, I think it hundred percent depends on his relationship with coach Adams and, um, just how much play time and usage he gets down the stretch and how he feels about the development of his game moving forward if he were to return. Yeah, there's a lot of guys up in the air that we have no clue what the future of this program is going to look like next year. But a lot of that, look, you're only halfway through the Big 12 schedule. If you can get four or five wins and find a way to win a game or two in the Big 12 tournament, build some momentum into next year, with all these young guys, I mean, this isn't the Shane Battier, J.J. Reddick days, the Rasheed Wallace, Vince Carter days at Carolina, the Paul Pierce's at Kansas, when guys stayed three and four years uh, at one school that we grew up watching on, uh, on a regular basis. Um, and Iowa State, that program is a perfect example. They make a coaching change. They go from two wins in the Big 12 to uh, one of the best teams in the Big 12 back-to-back uh, -back seasons now. So you can definitely do it. We did it when Beard left and brought in a whole new crew and went to the Sweet 16. So I'm very interested in what's going to happen this offseason, and I think the rest of the season uh, and how it plays out could have a huge impact on how the Red Raiders can do in the portal. Well, TJ, you talk about guys not staying for four years, and I do think that those days are, are gone. Um, however, unlike the last couple of years where it's been total free agency every offseason, I do think this is going to stabilize, and I think it starts this year. Um, I don't know if you saw it, TJ, but about a month ago, the NCAA came out and kind of changed the rules around the transfers um, and, and moved it from being um, just complete free agency to you get one free transfer without having to sit out. And then after that, you'd have to take the red shirt. you like it used to be uh, when you transferred. So I think you're going to see a situation where it settles somewhere in the middle uh, where you have guys that are going to stay for two, three years and then move if they're not getting the opportunity to the development that they want. 
Um, as far as this roster and, and looking forward to next year, TJ, there's three guys that I think you have to really focus uh, on trying to get back and keep. And it's, it's, I think it's pretty obvious. It's Pop Isaacs, it's Lamar Washington, and it's Jalen Tyson. Um, after that, anybody else that decides to hang around is just kind of a nice to have. I'd, I'd like to have Kerwin Walton back, but um, if we lost him, I wouldn't be broken up. I'd like to have Elijah Fisher back, but again, if he moved on, I wouldn't be too broken up about it. Um, Daniel Bacho is a guy that I'd love to have on the roster, but if he were to move, I, I would understand. I don't think guys like KJ Allen or, or um, Robert Jennings would be missed. I think those are guys that you can easily replace, especially with a guy like Lindsey coming in, who I think is going to jump ahead of both of those guys uh, in the rotation for the big. So um, those are the three names that, that I think it starts with. And then from there, you, you start trying to fill out this roster. Yeah, but before we get to the offseason, Blake, I mean, there is a whole nother half of conference play, and it's not like you were completely uh, boat raced, to borrow your word there, except for the Iowa State game. So you were in a lot of these a lot of these games, and they were competitive, and it starts in Waco on Saturday as we record this on a on a Wednesday, February the 1st. I think they got boat raced at home by West Virginia. They lost that game by 15 TJ, but um, yeah, they've, they were competitive in a lot of these games. You know, the, the Baylor game at home was, was a competitive game. They lose by two in Austin. Uh, they lost in overtime against Oklahoma. They lost on the no call to, against Kansas at home. Now um, I'm, I'm not particularly excited about the trip to Lawrence. I don't think that's going to go very well for this group if we're being completely honest about it, but we'll see what happens. Um, and you had TCU beat on the road. So that's a game that you might be able to win in Lubbock as well, as well uh, with the home court advantage. That is the United spirit markets arena. Man, I, uh, I want to be positive Patty here and and say that we can uh, get some wins here. But once again, like you said, every single team besides the red Raiders are projected to make the tournament at this point. That would be outrageous. I saw a stat. uh, Yeah. I saw a stat today, Blake, that had all of the other nine teams in the top 37 of Ken pop. That's exactly what I was about to say is that's the even more ridiculous stat to me is that you can have top, you can have nine teams from one league in the top 37 of the Ken Palm rankings. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. We, the big 12 has been what everybody thinks the sec is in football for about the last four or five years. Um, the, the big 12 basketball league has absolutely been that it's been murderers row. There's, there have been truly no off nights. Um, and, and this year it might, it's as strong as ever. Uh, you've got just, nine really really good teams and then tech and tech's not a bad team tj they're, they're not they're they're probably if i were gonna guess they're probably around the 50th to 60th best team in the country um that's not going to get you into the tournament just because there's only 32 at larges um and, and you're not one of the best 32 at large teams in the country right now they'd have to really realistically get to seven wins in the big 12 to even start to get into that conversation um and i just don't know that that's possible uh with the schedule that they've got left but you never know um again i think four or five big 12 wins is pretty realistic at this point you've got two games against oklahoma state you've got um tcu at home you've got uh and maybe you can steal one of these games on the road at a place like west virginia um or you could beat texas at home so realistically I think there's a path to four or five wins that absolutely gets you in the NIT. Not only does it get you in the NIT that probably gets you a top two or three seed in the NIT, which means you could win a couple of games and you get a couple of games at home um, and, and just build some momentum. We, we talk all the time on this podcast and, and on these post games about 
college sports is, is so much about momentum and what have you done for me lately and, and finishing the year on a high note would certainly help coach Adams and his effort to go and rebuild this team uh, in a couple of months. And I know this is a young team and I just want to have some fun and throw this at you. It, it, it absolutely doesn't matter. It doesn't change the fact that we're last in the big 12, but if this roster was in the SEC or the Big Ten or the Pac-10, are they a tournament team? They're certainly squarely on the bubble, I, I think, for sure. Um, I don't know that they would be a top two or three team in any of those leagues. I think they'd certainly be a top half team, which would put you in the in the bubble conversation or, or a low seed line at the 10, 11, 12. Um, unfortunately, you, you play in the Big 12, and, and it is the toughest league, and um, – if we're going to be frankly honest about this, TJ, we, we talk all the time about being truth tellers. This team just hasn't been good enough this year. They haven't. Yeah, they, they, they haven't won. They haven't finished games. They ha- have shown their inexperience, but two areas where I've been very critical of them and they kind of stepped up lately are the turnovers and the assist numbers. Both of those have improved dramatically in the last two victories. Yeah, I think that um, the more impressive one of that is the Iowa State victory, obviously. Um, LSU, I think, is a sub-200 defensive team in the country, so that's a team that you expect to be able to move the ball on and not turn it over and um, to score some points. But um, the first half against Iowa State was pitiful. It, it was maybe the worst half of basketball they've played all year other than the two up in Ames. Um, but the second half was much better and and they got a lot of easy buckets, TJ, that the assist numbers were aided by the fact that they were getting turnovers and, and getting run out layups and dunks. And um, that, that certainly helps to pad those numbers a little bit. Um, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that this team's ball movement is all of a sudden the Golden State Warriors because they're not anywhere close to that. Um, you look at teams like Baylor and, and Kansas. Uh, in this league and, and you watch them play offense and even Iowa state in that first half. And, and for most of the season ha- has, has looked like that as well, where you, you see the ball movement, you see the fluidity, you see how easy they make it look with two, three passes and getting open shots. And um, we're nowhere near that, but there's been a little bit of improvement the last two games for sure. Yeah. And this is the nation's official podcast. I am TJ Kern alongside Blake Hartsfield and not only do we do the podcast, we do the Twitter spaces on the nation's guns up nation tag. Make sure you have your alerts on for that. We've been pretty busy with those, Blake. Uh, we've had great turnout. Uh, definitely something we've enjoyed doing. But back to the basics here with the podcast. And I, I think we've touched on basketball and we've gone over the good and the bad and what we kind of expect the rest of the season to look like. But now let's have some fun because the football schedule has come out for the 2023 season. And I think it's a very favorable schedule for the Red Raiders. What are your initial thoughts on the football schedule and your expectations for this football team next season? TJ, I don't think this is just a good schedule. I think this is a great schedule. Um, first of all, they get a, a late buy in the season as opposed to an early buy. I think that's huge when you're um, inevitably carrying some injuries to get a full week uh, in, in the late in the season to, to get healthy certainly helps. They also have a miniature buy um, from when they play October 21st at BYU, and then they don't play again until the following Thursday against TCU. So you get a week and a half there in addition to a bye week. So 
Um, I, I definitely think that the schedule is favorable. Not only that, TJ, they don't play back-to-back road games all year. I think that's a huge advantage. Um, and just overall, I think this sets up for the Red Raiders to have a very good year. We've talked about um, on previous podcasts how much returning talent this team's going to have. I think they're going to return 16 or 17 starters across both sides of the ball. Um, the depth in the quarterback room that you should have with Tyler Shuck and Baron Morton in case you, you have an injury there. Um, the offensive line should be better. They've added some playmakers in the portal. Um, so I, I'm excited to see what this team's able to do. And and again, I think this is a very, very good schedule uh, in, in this first year of the new Big 12 with these new additions uh, in the league. And I don't know if you watched the uh, the official Texas Tech uh, release on uh, on Twitter. It would, they, they put out a little video and they were going one game at a time and I'm going, okay, Wyoming, all right, Oregon, Tarleton, West Virginia, Houston, Baylor, K-State. I'm, I'm just thinking, I'm like, okay, where are, you know, where's Oklahoma State? Where's Oklahoma? Where's Texas, right? And lo and behold, I just think it's fitting that you get Texas on uh, Thanksgiving weekend, I believe, November 24th, to close out your schedule. Not only that, TJ, that that will more than likely be Texas's last game in the Big 12. Um, wouldn't it be just so sweet to, to send them on their way to the SEC with one more defeat from, from the Red Raiders? Uh, and that that would be just a, a great way to, to cap the season. Um, but yeah, we don't play either of the two Oklahoma schools this year. And, and that's maybe the only th- gripe that I have on, on this schedule is that the fact that we don't get to play Oklahoma State. I think you and I have both talked about the fact that we would like for that to become our, our new quote unquote rivalry game. I'd, I'd much rather have a rivalry with them as opposed to TCU or Houston or, or Baylor. Um, with, with Oklahoma and Texas leaving this, this conference is going to need a couple of quote unquote marquee matchups. And I certainly think the potential's there for tech and Oklahoma state to, for that to become, uh, a, a game that is, is circled on the schedule every year in this league. But unfortunately we're not getting to play, uh, the pokes. And before we go into how many wins we think we're going to get, I, I do think there's a couple of games on here that I want to circle as the quote-unquote revenge game. September 9, Oregon comes to Lubbock. That's your Tyler Shuck revenge game. Not only Tyler Shuck, that's your Tim DeRuiter revenge game as he was defensive coordinator at the University of Oregon. That should be a fun one. And then September 30th, when Houston comes to Lubbock, that should be, if he wins the job, Donovan Smith coming back to town to face the Red Raiders should be a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, frankly, uh, TJ, I, I don't think Joe McGuire wants to lose to Baylor back to back years after leaving Baylor. So I would um, also highlight October 7th in Waco um, a, as a game that the Red Raiders are going to uh, definitely want to show up in. Yeah, I, I definitely think you, uh, you, you want to show up in all these games, obviously, but I'm looking at this schedule and I'm saying, are, are the we Red doing are, win nine, 10 games here? Are, are we going to do the whole go game by game thing and just make quick initial predictions? Or do you not want to do that? We can probably do that closer to football season. I, I, I'm saying right now that I'm looking at this schedule and I'm with the talent coming back. I, I easily think this is a nine to 10 win possibility here. 
LTG, I don't know if you saw my tweet a couple of days ago when when the schedule was released, but I, I did predict ten and two on my initial reaction. And I know Red Raider Nation's going to be a little shocked to hear that number of wins, but um, TJ, I think this is a great schedule, and I think that they could very easily win ten games here um, with the talent they've got coming back, with the um, progress that I expect this defense to make from even their first year under Tim DeRuiter. I think it's going to be even better next year. I think this offensive line is going to be better. I think they've got more playmakers. Um, and yeah, you lose the two running backs, but if we're going to be completely honest, running backs are a dime a dozen. You can find a guy to carry the ball. Um, I, I think 10 wins is very possible here, TJ. And wouldn't that be fun? I, I think 10 wins. I don't know if you saw it, but my prediction officially was 10 and two. Uh, with a rematch against Texas in the Big 12 championship game after the the matchup in Austin on the 24th. Um, you'd play them back-to-back weeks, and um, wouldn't that just be so cool to be in that game? Oh, uh, yeah. I want them to lose every single time they, they take the field, the court, the track, the baseball field. I mean, yeah, I'm all about it. Like, let, let's get it on with these guys one last time before they uh, – leave us for the SEC. Not only did the Red Raiders football schedule come out, there's some other football news in Red Raider land. As you know, Blake, I would say probably 90% of Red Raiders, if not higher, root for the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, and he goes back to the Super Bowl. I certainly do, TJ. Uh, As you know, I'm a Cowboys fan, uh, first and foremost, but when Mahomes went to Kansas City, they were a very easy team to adopt as my second NFL team, so to speak. Uh, they're in the AFC and they never play the Cowboys. And obviously uh, Mahomes, uh, with what he was able to do at Tech and how much he supports the university, is is an easy guy to, to root for, TJ. Um, I know a lot of Red Raiders know this, but this is just something that I would like to point out. TJ, he's been a starter for five years in the NFL. Um, next week he's going to get announced as having won his second MVP in those five years. He's been the, the number one seed in the AFC five times. He's played in the AFC championship game five times. Uh, and and he's only lost to Tom Brady and to Joe Burrow in overtime, uh, in his, uh, career in the playoffs. So, um, he, he lost once in the super bowl, but in the AFC he's lost both games in overtime. Um, this guy's had as good of a start to a, a career as, as, frankly, any quarterback ever, not named Tom Brady, who won two in his first three years as a starter. Um, but Mahomes is well on his way to an all-time career. Um, it'll be fun to see how many bowls he ends up playing in and winning. Um, I'm going to say he wins at least four, uh, but um, I, I fully expect him to win here in, in a week and a half. And I don't know, you, we can we can fact check this, but I, I saw something on Twitter that uh, Mahomes is 27 and, and Peyton Manning was 27 before he even won a playoff game. Again, TJ, he's going to set all the records. I don't know if you saw during the AFC championship game, um, but the most career touchdown passes in championship games is Brady. He's As you probably could have guessed, he's thrown 21. Uh, Brady played in, I think, 10 or 11 conference championship games in his career, which is ridiculous. TJ Mahomes is already at 16. He's going to shatter that record over the course of his career because this Kansas city team is not going anywhere. I fully expect them to be back in the AFC championship game against next again, next year. Um, And Mahomes is without a doubt, the best quarterback on the planet. And I was really worried about him when he, he uh, took that fall and hurt his ankle the week before, but man, 
the uh, the treatment, the doctors, whatever they did. Uh, he, he didn't. He, he limped a, a couple of times in that game, but man, he uh, he battled through it and was able to get his team to the Super Bowl. Now he has two weeks. He has a he has a bye week uh, to get ready, and he's gonna take on the Philadelphia Eagles. So um, good luck to to Patty and uh, all Red Raider Nation is pulling for you at this point, like always. Absolutely, couldn't have said it any better. So. Guys, this is the nation's official podcast, TJ and Blake. Blake, we've got another post game on Twitter for the nation at Guns Up Nation on Saturday. Um, I believe, uh, I don't have the calendar pulled up, but we're recording this on the 1st. So we've got a few days to get this podcast out. And it'll be on CBS, I did see, watching the football game, uh, Texas Tech and Baylor. So we'll uh, be there after the game to react to hopefully a Red Raider upset in Waco. But uh, yeah, man, I uh, glad to get back in the lab with you. Exciting news and uh, we'll see what happens. So unless you have anything else, man, you know what to say. Wreck them. Wreck them. We'll talk to you guys soon.